Hi, welcome to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home. I'm Beth Kushnick. And I'm Caroline Daly. For over 30 years, I've created settings for countless award-winning television series and feature films. As a set decorator, I'm a storyteller. I transform blank slates into authentic spaces that can reveal an entire life in seconds, full of unspoken details. Using color, furnishings, fabrics, art, lighting, and accessories, my job is to compose visuals that both capture and enhance any story. Now I want to help you capture and enhance your story. I'm on social media every day, and Beth's Instagram is a must-look for me. Over and over, I see fans asking her, How can I get the look in my own home inspired by something that I've seen on screen? There's nothing I enjoy more than helping people create a space that allows them to best express themselves. In each episode of Decorating the Set, From Hollywood to Your Home, we'll go behind the scenes on Hollywood's magic, giving you approachable yet sophisticated tips to realize the vision that best suits you. From creating your backdrop for social media to carving out a peaceful living space that allows you time to unwind, my practical advice will address common concerns as well as listener-submitted questions. Subscribing to Decorating the Set means you'll never have to tackle these projects alone. I'll be the decorator by your side. Hey, Beth. Today we're talking living rooms. Hi, Caroline. Living rooms are a great subject because at this point in our quarantine, the room that we've used the most in our homes are living rooms. God, I know, right? We're like all living in them. (laughs) Yep. Today, we're going to tackle what we've been staring at for the last few months. And this is actually going to be a two-parter episode. And today, we're going to be tackling layout, major furniture, and our accent furniture. I know there's so many questions about all of this, you guys. So let's first start off with our layout. What am I even taking into consideration when I'm planning how I'm going to make this room look? Well, you know, we're really focusing on this multi-purpose room now that the living room has become for most people. During this time, more than ever before, we're using this room for multi-purposes. So in terms of layout, the first thing that we have to figure out is really how many rooms all boiled into one your living room has to be. Once we establish that, maybe it's got two zones, a learning zone and a living zone or a work zone and a living zone, we can take into account what the floor plan should be. And that's what we do for any set. What's the action taking place in the room? What are the traffic patterns that, let's say, an actor has to walk and open a door or a window in the script? And in your own room, what's your activity that you're focused on in the course of a day? Maybe even some get a little redo for the weekends when the office is not being used or the schoolroom's not being used. So that's what we're talking about in terms of layout. Okay, so when I'm dealing with my traffic patterns, I've never really stopped to think about how I walk around a room. What's my steps to try to kind of figure out the best way to understand how I move around a room? The living room, you have to figure in terms of the entrance to your apartment sometimes or the entrance to your home. So the first thing you need to think about is how do you enter and exit that room? Are there doors in that room that go to bedrooms? Is the front door close to the living room? 
I think that everyone is kind of used to doing the same kind of floor plan that maybe they're comfortable with from how they've lived in another home, even how they've grown up. I always recommend trying to see the whole room and the space in as many different ways as you can. Most people orient things in their living room towards their entertainment, their television, their music. Where are they going to sit and have the best view? So probably right now that's the place to start with, but I always suggest that both my private clients and in terms of sets and how the camera moves, that you don't just plaster all the furniture up against the walls. Oh my gosh, I see that all the time, right? It's like you walk yep. in and it's like everything, it looks like there was like a magnet in the middle of the room and everything like <laughs> shot away from it. It's exactly. crazy. It's all up against the walls, which somewhat I understand people must do that because of things like electrical outlets and things like that. But I mean, gosh, floating it in the middle of the room is so much better. Yeah, there are ways to compensate for running an electrical cord under a rug. Even some older homes have outlets in the floor for just that reason. Right now, with the listeners that are sending me photos of their living rooms and asking questions, I encourage maybe a concept of defining the different zones and a lot of people I found have tried to do that by, for instance, maybe taking the school zone or the work zone, if they have to have this multi-purpose living room and putting it towards the window. And really, instead of having all the furniture plastered against the walls, dividing the room with a sofa is a great thing to do. You can even put a console table behind the sofa for lighting and really delineate the space that way and still keep it a far enough distance for good television viewing. That sounds perfect. When I'm doing that, I know that I'm supposed to sort of like create in my head, I, I'm thinking of sort of like my big square room and, and a small square in the middle, I guess, is what I'm thinking of, with my corners being reserved for more my accent zones. Does that sound about right? Yeah, you know, each room is different in going through this process, even if you're not going to buy anything new. A tape measure is a really good guide just to kind of move that tape measure around the room after you've measured out your sofa, your sectional, whatever your largest piece of furniture is. The best thing to do is to try it in different areas. And I always kind of plant the sofa or the bed, you know, the biggest piece of furniture in any room and then design around that. Is that what's going to help us make this room look bigger? Because I know for a lot of us, I mean, the walls are closing in. Beth, we need help. Yes, it's true. It's very, very true. I really can attest to this visual question mark that everyone seems to have when you're placing this large piece of furniture in a room. You know, the bizarre thing is that when you see an empty room, it actually looks smaller than it does filled with furniture. Why is that, Beth? What is up with that? It's just ignites in people this idea that all their furniture isn't gonna fit. An empty room gives the eye nowhere to land. And, you know, a room filled with furniture, layer upon layer, and things put in places that you wouldn't normally, it just shows you how big the space really is and how much you can live and work and function in a relatively small room. 
The way to do that is certainly to pare down some of the extra things you're storing, you know, maybe to refresh your living room at this point, because starting in the fall, we're still going to be spending a lot of time at home. This is really the last couple of weeks of the summer is the perfect time to kind of get reoriented. Definitely people can DM me photos of their living room. I'm happy to give suggestions, but really in this situation, I strongly suggest starting with the sofa, the biggest piece of furniture, trying something that you're not used to, you know, put the tables, put the end tables in, put a console table in, put a coffee table in and see how you feel. See if those traffic patterns that you've now created work for you. A lot of that is just like sort of trial by error, right? Like put it in place and then walk around and like live in it for a couple of days and yep. see, and are people tripping? <laughs> right. As we've said in the past, see what the camera sees. Make yourself the camera and, and stand in different corners and look in the room. I've designed an apartment in the past that you actually had to walk through the living room to get to the kitchen. And literally the traffic pattern of how to get the garbage out oh, into the hallway garbage disposal was really a factor in how we decided to do the floor plan. I love that. That's such an important every week situation yes, that like, people forget that about. Will, <laughs> sure. And an activity that would drive you crazy if you're dragging your soggy garbage yeah. through your living room. But that's my niche of both design and practicality because that's how I'm trained and that's how I think in a certain kind of logical, logistical way. That's another situation to take into consideration. What are the pre-existing extensions of this living room? How is that going to affect what you're changing up or how you're deciding to do your floor plan? In my own home, my living room has a small wall that creates a little hallway where my master bedroom door is on the opposite side. And when we first moved in, I thought, oh, I should take down all the walls and make this like super open. And then I realized we'd all be like looking at the TV and whomever opened the master bedroom door <laughs> would be like, hello, like if someone's getting changed or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Even though it's only a couple foot wall that stays because uh, that creates the privacy that we need. Yeah. So start with the traffic patterns, start with the planning of how you're going to orient your seating of which way the room will function for you. I really would tend to pull the sofa out from the corners and out from being plastered against the wall, unless, you know, that's the only wall for it to go on. Right. When we're dressing sets and thinking about mostly lighting and creating interest behind an actor's head, but not something that, you know, looks like it's growing out of their heads. I do tend to think about a thin long console table behind a sofa that gives you a surface for your remote controls, for your drink, for whatever you need, maybe also for lighting. That's fantastic because that is a huge question mark about where do we put lights, where do we put just everyday items, drinks. That's a huge one, drinks. Everybody's got one. You don't want to be bouncing it on your knee. Can I ask you, before people get furniture, if they're at that like stage when they're like, okay, let's move stuff away from everything, let's kind of look. Is there any good way you said use our tape measure? I know I've done some things where I use like painter's tape and I try to kind of like mark the floor a little bit just to kind of give me some spatial relations. Yeah, you know, there are also a lot of computer programs that exist out there that help you do layouts and and floor plans. 
I don't think there's really anything that tops trying the big pieces. You know, this also harks back to kind of my rules of how I work with the set dressers. We always, always do the flooring and the walls first, and we walk into that clean, empty, scenic set for dressing. We always do the floor plan first. And you have so many things to consider, including the the way that the actual camera has to move around and the additional people that are all going to be all around there. So that brings us to that second question about major furniture. And the first idea that comes to mind is how many people do I have to actually be accommodating in this space, especially at any given time? Yes, and especially now. So you've got to take in the list of, is this the only lounging room in your home? Do you have a playroom that has a TV in it? Do you have a room that you're using for school, for your kids? Do you have a separate office? So once those things are established, and let's say we're even just talking about how the living room is just going to be a living room, the consideration has to be given to what do you want your main piece of furniture that you sit on, that you lounge on, that maybe you sleep on, maybe you have guests sleep on to be. There are so many choices when it comes to sofas and settees and sectional sofas that that's the one place that I recommend people really consider who they are, what their character is, who they are as an individual. Because if you're a very tall person, you're not going to want to sit on or be able to enjoy a, a certain size sofa. If you're a shorter person, you're not going to want a deep seat of a sofa. You know, in these times, since we can't really try things out ourselves. Yeah, how do we handle that? I'm in a situation right now with a family member asking, how do I pick out a couch, Caroline, when I can't go sit on it? And I'm like, hmm. You know what? you got to really do your reading. And while you're reading, you've really got to have a tape measure in your hands. Okay. Because if you start to look at that length and depth measurement, depth of the seat, you can even measure you know, your own height, your own... Your femur. Uh, you know, you got to do yeah. that thigh bone, right? <laughs> That's right. How many inches do you have from your knees to your butt? And what's going to make you feel comfortable? There are so many choices. There are some furniture stores opening. And I would say that if you could just pick that one piece in person, I would recommend it. The other thing is, you know, even if people are replacing their sofas, measure your existing sofa. You know, you've had it, you've used it, you've worn it out. Now that it's time to replace, you should have a pretty good idea of your measurements. Right. Did it work? Did it not work? Or are you a, like a couch napper in the day and you need more room, you know, or what you're looking for? I know that one of the things that you can order online is the fabric swatches, right? So you can kind of like feel it against your skin and get a good idea. Absolutely. Anyone who has any sense sensitivities to certain fabrics. It's very, very easy right now to order a swatch. And if you don't feel like you can make a decision based on just a little small swatch of fabric, sometimes I order four of them. Ooh, I like that. It's a little bit of an investment. So should I expect to pay a couple bucks for swatches? I really don't yes. know. Okay. Yes, you should. So that's okay. If I see it, it's not like they're trying to fraud my credit card. They, it's really okay. <laughs> it, it, yes. And, and they give you a way to check out and show you 
most furniture companies that you are paying for those swatches. And just like seeing a paint color in a larger sample, it will really help you to take these four squares and drape them over your existing sofa so you see them in a three-dimensional way. You know, you're seeing them on the arm of a sofa, you're seeing them on the back pillow, and it gives an untrained eye a, a better shot of feeling what it's going to look like. I feel like especially if you choose something that's a pattern, because that's something that's like a big question mark for people. Do you choose a couch that's a neutral and just, you know, zhuzh it up with throw pillows and throw blanket and that type of thing? Or do you choose something that's like, you know, a big pattern that you really love and want to be the centerpiece? It feels like if you choose several fabric swatches and you laid them together, you could have a much better idea of that pattern. Absolutely. You can have a much better idea of that pattern. And larger pieces of furniture tend to look better with larger patterns. But what I would say is at this point, anyone thinking in this time, this economy, this world of making this investment, I kind of always skew towards a neutral and then dressing it up, dressing it up with a throw, with pillows. And I usually, in, in my design world, save the big, bold fabric, for instance, for two great chairs that are going to sit opposite the sofa. I tend to be more bold in a chair because, again, if you don't like it or you get sick of it, it's always going to be more expensive to slip cover or, you know, reupholster a larger piece of furniture. Chairs just generally feel like they wear out faster, I guess. It's true. And, you know, there's so many chairs that you can literally change the seat fabric yourself just by unscrewing the seat of the chair and using a staple gun. And, you know, when you're doing something like that, you could probably get away with a yard or two of fabric. That's very good to know. That's a good tip. I, I Especially since I live in the South and I know you live in the North, for me, you know, I shy away from fabrics that are what I would consider like too warm, like like velvet or I've seen couches that are in like corduroy or something like that. Things that seem too warm to me, I'm like always nervous about. But I loved your suggestion of a slipcover so that I could experience both sides of the fabric, basically. I can have the cotton when I need that for the summer and I can have those warmer fabrics. Do you tend to use that on set? Is that something that is, is a trick within your trade? We design each piece for each character. So in the standing sets, we don't tend to slip cover and change out the sofa fabric. Certainly do that in my own home and for clients. But what we do do is think about the weight of the fabric and the look of the fabric. For instance, when I do a sofa in a bedroom, a little sofette at the end of the bed, one situation I used a, a you know a heavy grade real linen so it was a light room and in the other situation I used a, a velvet fabric for the end of the bed bench. That seems like a very seductive spot you might have like a naked butt that insisted on that so I like that. <laughs> and I like to mix up not only the kind of fabric that you know we call it the grade of fabric the weight of the fabric you know when you're doing an entire room in red velvet, that makes the statement right there. But when you're thinking about your own home, mixing things again, I always find uh, the best way to do it. And 
you know, there can always be this like great accent chair with, you know, even a, a needlepoint fabric on the seat. Chairs help to balance out whatever you do on your main sofa or sectional. So when I'm thinking about that main piece, I know I've seen a variety of things. Like, do you have a preference between something like a sectional versus a couch and a sofa? I am not a fan of huge sectionals that look like there's a car parked in your living room. <laughs> right. <laughs> or like you're having you know? some sort of crazy ass party every single night because we yeah. aren't people. Uh, what about all the bells and whistles of these newfangled sofas where you can plug your phones in and, and put your drinks in? And, uh, you know, I haven't settled in on, on any of those, but I'm sure if I sat in one for long enough, I would probably never want to leave it. <laughs> right. Those ones with all the built-in recliners and, mm -hmm. you know, they're like massaging your back and holding your drink. Exactly. It does exactly. feel like, kind of like crazy to not, to not just have that. But from a style and design standpoint, there's certainly the least versatile piece you could possibly get. Listen, from a style and design standpoint, there's a lot to be said in the appropriate space for a sectional sofa. It always gives two people a place to lounge and recline. You know, my mania about sectionals and sofas of any kind is I don't like to always be looking at these pieces of furniture and feel that I have to go fluff each pillow. Oh God, right? So, you know, cause that kind of disrupts my visual stuff. <laughs> right. And things get kind of mushed down, right? Because the way right. people kind of flop all over them. Yes, of course. So, you know, I like to look for a sofa that's streamlined. I do tend to like a one pillow seat. Now, the situation with that is you can only turn it over and have two sides to rotate. Whereas if you have a two cushion seat, you've got four chances for seeing a clean side. Whoa, that like blows my mind. You're right. Like <laughs> that's math, people. When you can like, you've got four chances. You're so right. I didn't think about that, but yes, okay. So, but do you prefer to have the bench or you prefer to have four chances? Well, I prefer visually. Okay, so to you know, not have that But if it's crack. gonna be a highly trafficked, highly used piece of furniture, you're obviously better off being able to turn the pillows over. Now, there are a lot of companies that have really, really good guarantees and fabric programs that you pay a little bit extra for, but you can really take advantage of having that sofa cleaned. That's perfect. I think that for most of us, because there are so many people using the space, inevitably, you know, someone's eating dinner or doing whatever yeah. in there. And, you know, that's what you got to do. You got to just be able to clean up the space with no problems at all. I know that some people use like a furniture spray protector kind of thing for their fabric. Is that something that you recommend? A scotch guard. You know, that used to be the way, but now there's so many fabrics available that kind of have a built-in scotch guard already. Nice. So that's something that if you're looking for that, if you know you're not two adults, you yes. know, and you know you got some kiddos or even grandkids or whomever's coming Handprints, over, dogs, yep. <laughs> what have yeah. you. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for, for breezing your fabric oh. covered piece of furniture. Yeah. Especially with pets. Right. Or just smelly older men. <laughs> you know, I think in these times, the best thing to also do is... Even if you're going to order something online, 
I like to make a connection with a salesperson at that vendor that I'm talking to and ask some of these kinds of questions, especially because there's a backlog on getting furniture deliveries is what I'm discovering now that we're sort of gearing up to start work in the design field and film business again. Can you shed some light for people why there's such a huge backlog? Like why can't you just order something? Well, first of all, when the pandemic hit in March, all factories were closed, which means that all the orders prior to March that were being fulfilled, the sofas that were being made, the fabrics, you know, everything stopped being manufactured. So once these factories were allowed to open in phase one, phase two, phase three, they had to fulfill all the outstanding orders that they've had on hold. In the meantime, getting stock to other retailers that sell these products manufactured in factories, that stopped happening as well. So when you're ordering something now, it's actually would surprise me greatly if it happened to be in stock. And when you start to do your research online, whether it's lighting or a rug or curtains or linens, very few items are available for immediate delivery. Wow. The other smaller items, you can keep looking around, look around at different vendors, make contact, speak to a vendor and say, is that product made overseas? Because if a product is made overseas, you know you're going to be waiting even longer now. Right. And that speaks to to comments that you've made in the past about, you know, not being shy about doing a slipcover or just moving things around that you already have, because you may have a situation where it could be months before you could get a brand new sofa. But it doesn't mean like you have to sit and face this all by yourself for this whole time. You know, you could still probably get a slipcover pretty quickly and have a shot at, you know, changing things up. Absolutely. Time to be ingenious I want to encourage everyone not to give up on this stuff. I know for many people, it's not their bent. It's not something that they have a lot of experience with. But what I've been finding as I've been trying to finish a few jobs during COVID is, you know, when literally when one door closes, another one opens and you may even end up finding something that you like even more because you were pushed a little bit for the search. I love that. I know that I've heard people say that where they were like, I didn't really know what to do with this corner of the room or whatever, but now we set up a puzzle table and I love it and I'm gonna leave it there, you know, even past quarantine stuff. Or, you know, we've put a desk in here and I never would have done that, but I actually really like it. And, you know, I'm gonna use it for years to come and that kind of thing. I love that. And I also love the the concept of the temporary nature that it's okay if you do something now and don't feel like you have to commit to this for forever. There's something kind of fun living in this group situation where maybe, you know, your family comes together and they recommend something and you all work on the design of it together. It's like doing the puzzle together. We're like a quarantine, Beth. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. I know. You're welcome. I love it. That's (laughs) so great. And You know, I'll tell you that I heard this from a very wise friend and actor that I've worked with before, Alec Baldwin, who recently explained on Instagram that it's very important to him and his wife that 
their environment that they're in for quarantine does not become something that post-quarantine they don't want to appreciate or feel good about. And I really started to get me thinking that that is so important that your quarantined environment does not become something that you fight against and that you stop loving when this is over. Because we can look at it either as like a prison or as like a cozy place to keep us safe. And there's no reason to look at it like a prison. You know, we can make this a cozy, lovely place that turned out to be your haven. And I really want to help people continue to feel comfortable in their environment that they're experiencing now to make these small changes, almost to have learned by living through this and then enjoy the refresh that we do whenever we do it when it's over. Beth, before we leave this major furniture section, I know that we had a listener ask about pets specifically. Is there anything in particular that we can do either about picking furniture that's okay for pet hair or should we be leaving a corner for a pet bed or what should we be doing to try to include our four-legged friends? I think that it all depends on the size of your pet. I mean, I, I, I do believe in picking a corner and having a separate space for a pet because then you're not encouraging the sofa that you're all using to be the full-time yes. pet bed. I could not agree more with you Beth, on that <laughs> front. My dogs will um, start to put their, they'll just like look at me and start to raise their paws. And I'm like, oh, fella, you know better. Do not. You know, the other reason for that is because in many of these living rooms, the sofa is still going to have to exist as the primary seating for potentially a work environment. If you've got your laptop or you know, if you've got a coffee table that works for a desk for young kids, I think keeping a pet out of this environment that we're already saying is multi-purpose is the smart thing to do. I could not agree more. And that brings us to the accent furniture. And what should we be thinking about when we've we've placed our sofa, we have some chairs, I know you talked about the idea that we're probably orienting ourselves towards an entertainment unit of some sort or, or a TV on the wall. I know there's always been a great debate about the idea of, do you orient towards the fireplace if you have one or the TV or both? Or should the TV be over the fireplace or, how, or are those like competing things? How do we handle the orientation of that? I think in a way we have to give up on the TV not usually working the best over the fireplace. Okay. It is a rare situation unless your living room or your home is big enough that that particular room with the fireplace is going to exist with no television. But having a fireplace means that you almost have an entire wall in the room of the four walls, probably, that kind of screams for the orientation to be towards that the view to be towards the fireplace. So finding another place for the TV can make the room kind of choppy. So I usually would go with Just don't the TV fight going. it, right? Don't fight yeah, it. Yeah, don't fight okay. it. Okay. And so in addition to that, I know that there are tips and tricks and I know there's companies that'll hang it for you. So if you're intimidated by that, don't think like, well, I don't know how to do that. And my partner doesn't know how to do that or my roommate. So I guess we just can't, but there's plenty of companies and 
handymen and all those kinds of people that know how to do it fairly inexpensively. I agree with that. And probably if you have a fireplace and a mantle for the time being, if you can't find someone to hang the TV, you just put the TV on the stand and, you know, stand it on top of your mantle. There you go, folks. That's like you don't got to get fancy and be hanging it on the wall. <laughs> just put it on its stand, right? And set it right up there. All of us have flat screens at this point. None of you yep. put one of those giant consoles and bust your mantle and call Beth. Don't. That's yeah, ridiculous. Don't. Only the flat screens. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So let's get into other pieces of accent furniture around the room. Everybody needs a coffee table and some end tables of some sort. We got to put our drinks down and we're going to stop trying to act like we don't eat dinner watching TV. Yeah. I mean, in, in this situation, again, if you're looking for an inexpensive way to make your living room even more multi-purpose, start looking for any kind of ottoman for the coffee table or those storage kind of coffee tables that you don't even know their storage in them. There are ottomans that have tops that come up. There are coffee tables that literally with the push of a button or a lever, they pop up to be the perfect height for you sitting on your sofa. I think and that's using amazing. <laughs> I think that's or so awesome. eating. You know, right now, if you are in this circumstance, you have to think about practicality and convenience and what small purchase can have a big impact. Do you know what I'm finding crazy sexy right now is I'm so used to having a sofa table behind my couch, but a couple years back, I started to see friends every once in a while have like basically a high table that's like a sofa table, but it's a little deeper and they have bar stools at it and it's like a whole like eating area, but coming out of the back of the couch. That would be a great spot to set up your laptop and a great spot to like deal with, you know, paperwork or whatever that's not down on the coffee table where you're like leaning over. Have you seen these? Do they have a proper name? I don't even know. They're counter height tables or bar height tables. The thing about them that's so interesting is that they're oddly shaped in terms of their height and their length. So... They are making these primarily for apartment living, but they are making these for smaller kitchens that now you can take up a little corner in the living room, like the corner of the from the fireplace to the wall. I'm all for these kind of quirky chests and corner units and again, get your tape measures out. Yes, smaller please. pieces that just take up a wall and by creating that grounding you've now added another layer that's practical and believe it or not you've made your room look bigger yeah because it feels like you naturally are using the different spaces and it feels like wow you can do so many things in this room this must be a gigantic room exactly it's amazing i love that so in thinking about other things that people are doing end tables do you have like any tips or or things that we should at least be avoiding or looking for yeah, end tables are necessary. I like end tables with drawers. I like the concept of not matching your end tables as long as they're very similar in height, especially if you're going to put a lamp on either side of your sofa. Sometimes I like to use a standing lamp on one side and, you know, a tabletop lamp on the other. There are also great, great stacking, nesting tables, drink tables, that fall into each other 
and you pull them apart when you're eating or hanging out, watching TV, and everybody gets one. Those are so easy and fantastic and so nice to stack back together. And I have a weird sense of um, satisfaction with furniture like that when you can like fold it back down. I am kind of crazily in love with like this dining table that you spin and it gets bigger as it spins out. It's not great. Oh my God. I saw it at this woman's house probably 10 years ago and I might dream about it like once a week since then. <laughs> and now what about all these dining tables that can actually be desks because, you know, you don't have to have a desk that has drawers. You can get a rolling cart with drawers and you can use your dining table or a new dining table. And they all have leaves that live within them instead of, you know, like in the good old days, we used to have a closet filled with leaves for our tables. But now those tables just literally live in the table and you pull the table apart in a certain way and you can instantly make it bigger or smaller. I think it's amazing and it's perfect again for right now, but then just generally, I mean, even if it wasn't COVID times, I feel like people are needing more and more flexibility in their space. Everyone wants yes. to be able to feel like you're getting more than one use out of a piece of furniture. It's when, when a table's just a table, I'm like, oh, is that all it does? It's just a table. That's it. Disappointing. <laughs> right? Like, wah, wah. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, I love it. I love all of those little things. Now, especially thinking about these like corner areas that we have, I know there's a lot of people that need to do things like desks. Do you have any recommendations on that? I have used furniture from, uh, let's say a, a company has their regular division. They have a teen division. They have a baby division. Search all of their divisions. Search the internet because you would be surprised at what a simple white desk from a big box store in the teen division looks like in your living room when you dress it up. Just because it's online and you're searching it up for a kid's room there's so many alternatives. Well, and don't be deterred by that because because when it says teen or dorm room or something like that or apartment, even if you have yep. a larger space than that, it's still going to give you that compact multi-use need met, basically. And they're all usually neutral, you know, and they usually give you a white option and a dark wood option. One feels more modern, one feels more traditional. But now there are even things being made in navy blue and gray. I mean, really hip, stylish, good looking. And just because they're being listed for a different use, I'm saying think out of the box. Absolutely. And hey, those might be available because maybe there's something someone else had that's in front right. of. That's so right. I, that's, that's a great tip. Now, I know a lot of people tend to use heirloom pieces as little accent pieces of furniture. Do you have guidance on that for people? Uh, you know me, I love the eclectic layered look and I encourage people to keep their family treasures and I'm always wallpapering the back of a break front or painting or just again totally simple something that you can do online so easily is change out the hardware on an heirloom piece and and completely turn it around and i i tend to go really big bold statement like big jeweled interesting carved 
handles, you know, and you only need to buy a few. That seems like a great way to then also tie things back in like hardware, because that's a big question mark for people. When you have all these different zones, you start to feel like it's looking real romper room, real like, oh, this is like a little children's kindergarten classroom with like the kitchen (laughs) center and, Mm -hmm. you know, the puzzle area and everything. And it gets a little much. How can you keep it from getting really hodgepodge? Stay within a palette which I think people tend to do anyway, what they like. I wouldn't go for a wide range of all different colors. Once you start to realize that your space has consistency, you can even give it a little bit more. Like, let's say you set up that puzzle table on a folding table, you know, and you've got your dining room table that you're trying to just keep for eating time, you know, put the same tablecloth on both of them start to unify the hodgepodge in a way that it streamlines all that you're having to look at. You know, I'm a big believer in storage bins, baskets. If you're doing the classroom thing, I think it's great to just give yourself a little relief at the end of the day and put the stuff away. Same for the office thing, especially if it's all in this room that you're living in. Yeah, you don't want to be looking at homework you got to do all the time. That's a drag. I definitely set my work pile away come the evening. That's a very good tip mentally. It's a relief. So we do have a question from home from Mike in New York, and it says, Beth, I live in an apartment on the third floor. I need a new couch, and I'm unsure of how to get the couch into my home. Any tips or considerations I should keep in mind? Well, Mike, (laughs) I can tell you from my own personal experience of getting sofas into apartments uh, within a hair's breadth of their life. As a matter of fact, I don't think that I will ever be able to move out of my apartment and take my sofa with me. But since it's been here for such a long time, that's one story. In today's crazy world of furniture manufacturing, every company does offer a service where they come and do their own measure. So then we can hold them accountable for the delivery. I am blown away by that idea. So you would call a company, like my mid-level priced company, and they will actually come and do some measuring for me? They will come, some you have to pay for, some it goes towards the price of the sofa. They will come and measure your service elevator, your door widths, door jams, and they will know the piece of furniture. And the newest, greatest, most incredible concept is called the sofa doctor. And that sofa doctor is not an MD, but he should be lauded as (laughs) an incredible professional because the sofa doctor can literally cut a sofa in half and put it back together. And it's been done right before my very eyes. So as you could never tell that that sofa was cut in half that is like sorcery beth i don't understand it is is, with the magic needle and thread the sofa doctor can also take the legs off of sofas so they can maneuver better into an elevator or a door there are a lot of companies that now make sectionals especially in larger and smaller sectional pieces You don't have to be 
a mathematician or a, a genius in construction because these services are available. That's such a relief because it makes you feel like the the onus is not on you to have made the, the most perfect measurements or to, to have that eye of like, well, I measured my elevator and I measured my doorframe, but I didn't realize that the turn at the hallway That's right. or whatever, like you don't have to think of all those things. You can rely on professionals to come in and help. I will tell you honestly, my behind the scenes info is that you have to really be on top of this when you use this service. You have to follow up. You have to make sure it's, it's almost like using an outside vendor for company that you're purchasing a furniture from. So, you know, you got to be on top of it. But in the instances where I've used it, it's worked beautifully. I think that that is a fantastic tip. And again, it's something that people can just feel a little bit more relaxed. Beth is here to help you and you can send in your pictures and she can guide you along the way. But there's also people, literally men on the ground here who can help as well. So at no point do you have to feel like you're all alone doing this. No, I know it's daunting and people feel that they need decorators, but that's what our point here is. I'm the set decorator by your side. These things can all get worked out really easily. Little more effort during COVID, but I have supported and continue to support furniture manufacturers. This is a hard time for everybody's business and the economy. We want to continue to live well and have beautiful things to choose from. And they're all doing their best. And don't forget about your local mom and pop shops, because definitely I know that those storefronts on Main Street are struggling as well. I was recently shopping with my sister and she just ducked into like a small, it was like an estate sale storefront and they had some really great desks that they had updated with some navy paint and it would go great in her house it was something that in our conversation was like i never would have thought to necessarily look for furniture in there it was more of like a tchotchke kind of thing but different places are kind of trying to fill in the gaps where the really big companies can't right now so look outside the box a little bit yeah and people are moving and they're ending up with great stuff i think it's just a time where everyone has to be a little more open-minded absolutely well so getting to our takeaways this week because we are going to have a part two you guys so you might be thinking like but this isn't enough i have so much more of my living room to do and i need more more answers don't worry there's going to be part two We've got absolutely em. but we are going to remind you of some important takeaways from this episode so the first one we were talking about back at the very beginning was traffic patterns beth tell us a little bit about what we need to think about yeah just you know how the work is going to flow if it's a multi-purpose room this living room the main and biggest room room in your home, whether you live in a house or an apartment, do you enter right into it? Do you need a place to put your, take your shoes off first? Do you need a bench there, you know, leading up to it? Just how the movement flows. And our second takeaway was thinking a lot more about your actual participants in the family room living. It's all about comfort. When I was collaborating with Mitchell Gold and Bob Williams on a home decor license, our motto was lights, camera, comfort. Nice. The reason for that and how we designed everything was for the comfort of the actors who sat in the pieces and then for all the fans who purchased the items. And you have to think about your height and your needs. You know, are you someone who eats from your sofa at night? Do you sleep on your sofa? Do you have more than one person lying down on the sofa? 
you've got to really put some calculating into it. These are all things that might be a little bit harder to do online, but certainly I can help you with those questions as well. Thank goodness we have you, Beth, because I feel like there's a lot of good questions to be asking. Thank you. So yeah, you guys take advantage of Beth's offer for help because she's definitely here ready to look at your pictures and give you a lot of good tips. This third one I feel like is so right now. This is so about our COVID times and the idea of having these little areas, the accent furniture that maybe we're not going to use forever. Remind us what's some good tips on that. I do think this is um, our most COVID-related podcast, even almost more so than doing your Zoom backgrounds and all of that, because this is the main living space and you're spending the bulk of your day in this space and will continue to do so. I want people not to judge themselves. Making an effort right now in these refreshes and kind of reconceiving your living space be patient with yourself. It can actually turn into some fun stuff to do. You don't have to say to yourself, oh my God, I'm going to have a table with a jigsaw puzzle on it for the rest of my days here. <laughs> no, you won't. You know you won't. So no worries. I mean, there are only so many jigsaw puzzles. And quite honestly, I've seen the same one go around. Oh, no. uh, my friends on Facebook are proudly saying that they too <laughs> have completed the same jigsaw puzzle. And I don't really want to try it because I'm afraid that if I don't complete it, it will you know, be a shame. Scarlet letter yeah, for you. But, exactly. oh my God. but that's just it, you know, and one of my most favorite quotes is life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And it's sort of a double entendre in this situation. I, I um, encourage everyone to find their comfort zone leave it, try something. Right. New. Be willing to have the 3D Lego Death Star in the middle of your living room. Because that's, that's right. what I have that's right, right now. Why not? <laughs> yeah, go for right? it. We're finally going to finish this Death Star. That's right. My entire living room is filled with my daughters packing for college. So yeah, so, so you, you know, know it, man. It, it, the reality yeah. is that we're people, we're living in it. I mean, you you made such a good point earlier that like so many of us worry about keeping, especially our living room, like company ready, perfect. Yeah, well, uh, nobody's looking at your living room these days. Um, <laughs> no one's so, coming over, Beth. <laughs> no one's coming over. But you know what? I want everyone to feel it literally just in their body. A, a, a relaxation, a space to be. Take all these preconceived notions. Let go of them. Enjoy your binge watching. Watch all my old movies and my TV yes. shows. You know, we'll pick up with more of your questions on part two of Living Rooms. Thank you so much, listeners, for listening. And thank you so much, Beth, for all of your amazing advice. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. And definitely stick around for Living Rooms part two next week. Thanks so much for listening. Decorating the set from Hollywood to your home is a Pod Clubhouse original production. Recorded, edited, and produced at Pod Clubhouse Studios. For more information, please visit us online at podclubhouse.com. Pod Clubhouse.